0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML.
1: Yesterday was Budget Day here in the province of Ontario, and uh, a budget that, uh, well, has received an awful lot of reaction from a number of folks, and we're going to talk with uh, some of the stakeholders in that a little bit later on. But to kick off our coverage of that today, uh, we're pleased to welcome to the uh, program uh, the Minister of Finance for the province of Ontario, Rod Phillips, joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show. Minister, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us today.
0: Hey, Bill, it's great to be back on your show.
1: Good to be with you again, sir. Uh, these are troubling times, of course, uh, and there's a great deal of concern about what's going on. Uh, for a fiscal conservative like yourself, Minister, uh, when you start looking at numbers like deficits and the, the amount of money that's being spent, uh, there's got to be some uncomfortable feelings about this. Uh, how how, did, how can a government justify this? I mean, you're you're, you're between a rock and a hard place here, uh, and th- we, we obviously have to look at, at the situation here, but these numbers are astounding.
0: They are Bill. You know we are. We're on track, and you know this to balance the budget in twenty two, twenty three. It was an important priority for the government. But frankly, you know everything changed. The world changed last March with the state of emergency and the global pandemic. You know, we came out first with what was originally our seventeen billion dollar plan, and, and now of course with yesterday's budget, forty five billion dollars of support. Um, you know this is why you manage your finances uh, well when when uh, when you know there might be a rainy day because COVID nineteen is the rainy day. So you know no government can continue to spend at this level forever they shouldn't either it's a it's a burden on future generations but right now it's the right thing to do and you know it's a it's a it's a 45 billion dollar plan that has you know eight billion more for health care more support uh you know for our long-term care you know certainly more support and some important things for for the economy as well because we have to start uh thinking as well you know about the recovery uh on the other side of this
1: Let me ask you about the long-term care, if I could, Minister, because I know that you and the Premier have talked about this an awful lot. There has been uh, an inquiry, there's been an independent inquiry about this, too. There's an awful lot of information. I think everybody's aware of what some of the problems are. We're not too sure about what the solutions are. Uh, but some of the critics uh, have already been vocal about the fact that uh, you don't seem to have attached dollar figures to the work that you want to do, uh, and the, that you've already announced about, you know, about the extra four hours per day for for uh, care for each individual, et cetera, like that. Uh, is there funding available for that, and how soon can those programs start?
0: Yeah, there there is. And listen, uh, we appointed Associate Chief Justice Morocco to the independent commissions, but but specifically said, give us recommendations as you go. Uh, we don't want to wait years, uh, as happened sometimes in the past. So. Uh, it was less than two weeks ago. Uh, he made the recommendation about moving to four hours of care for our, for all of uh, the uh, residents in long-term care. Um, that's that would be Ontario at the top of the heap in terms of the kind of support that's needed. Um, so, uh, so the money is in our long-term fiscal plan to support that. We'll be getting a full staffing strategy. You know, Bill, this is going to be hiring tens of thousands more personal support workers or nurses. These people have to be trained. I even, I spoke to the Deputy Prime Minister about this. Uh, Earlier, uh, knowing that the federal government is setting out its immigration strategy, we're going to have to look to those sort of sources as well. But this is going to take planning, but it's going to get done. Uh, we're going to get it done over four years. Um, it will mean you know, billions of dollars investment, and that money is going to be available. And uh, you know, this is something that governments of all parties uh, have not dealt with in the past, and the premier is committed to it being done, and it will be done.
1: So much to talk about, and I know your time is limited, uh, but a couple of things I did want to touch on here, too. Uh, You also talked about a refundable uh, credit here for uh, renovations uh, for seniors. Uh, what, what, What do you see happening here? How do you see that program developing?
0: Well, you know, it's all part of the same conversation. We've all learned that our homes are places that we really want to stay. I think it means something different, the word home, than it did pre-pandemic. And for our seniors, uh, there are sometimes challenges around accessibility or safety. So this is a tax credit up to $2,500. And because it's a tax credit, whether people pay tax or not, they'll be eligible for it. And that could be pairing for everything from stability bars to ramps, uh, the sorts of things that people need. And one of the unique features of a bill is it's not just for seniors living on their own, but I know in my riding in Ajax and a lot lot of places there's multi-generational families so if a grandma or a grandpa are, are living with the family maybe that extra dollars can can keep keep that family member in the home with the family uh, so i think this will be really well taken up and i think it's it's important and also it takes pressure off other parts of, a, of our system including long-term care which again has to be a focus
1: let's talk about hydro uh- You've announced uh, some help for businesses, right? and which I, I know uh, is going to be deeply appreciated. We're going to talk with Rocco Rossi from the Ontario Chamber in just a couple of minutes, Minister, and I'm get his reaction on this, too. Uh, but uh, subsidizing some commercial and industrial hydro bills at uh, the tune of $1.3 billion, uh, which is, uh, I, as I say, good news for small businesses. Uh, but we've just experienced another rate increase, of course, for us as consumers as well, They're the rate payers uh, for hydro as well. There doesn't seem to be any help for them.
0: Well, listen, we do already subsidize residential rates at the level of about 30%, so $6 billion of subsidies. You know, without getting too partisan, the last government made a real mess of the hydro file. So we provide those supports. This is support particularly for, for our industrial and commercial users. I, I know in both Hamilton and in London, you're going know, to see a 14% rate reduction. This is going to make our, our our employers, medium-sized and larger employers, competitive uh, with the Great Lakes states. In fact, we'll be ahead of them. And this is one of the real reasons that we hear persistently that the businesses won't expand or even locate here. So this is important for jobs, and we're in the middle of a recession, and you know uh, we're going to hear the job numbers today. I think it'll be continue to be good progress, but we need to be thinking now but the recovery and competitive electricity rates is going to be part of what makes ontario competitive
1: when we uh, had the premier on the program a couple of weeks ago uh, i remarked about the fact that uh uh, jobs are being created here in spite of the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic but i was uh, amazed and and i'm sure you are too minister about how Manufacturing in this province has pivoted. There aren't jobs being created right now, and a number of them are in the very fields of, of supplying things for the pandemic, for relief really of the pandemic, whether it's personal protective equipment or any number of other things like that. Uh, it's uh, it's not usual for a, an economy to be able to say, okay, we have to make an adjustment, but we seem to have done that here in Ontario.
0: Um, we have, and, and you know that that has been really all to the credit of of our manufacturing companies and their workers. You know we are one of the great uh, workshops you know, the only place in North America where we have five car manufacturers, we make trains, we make planes, we even make spacecraft. But but we've taken steps to support them as well. So, you know, in 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 London, for example, we've we've addressed some inequities in the property tax system. It's going to see a 30% reduction um, in industrial property taxes and commercial property taxes. In Hamilton, it'll be a 25% reduction. Now, again, people say, okay, giving reductions to, to businesses, but these businesses are our job creators, and there's a real opportunity. There's a reason we're seeing these Announcements like General Motors and and Ford and uh, and Fiat about locating here. Uh, we've we we are a jurisdiction that people are going to want to be in post pandemic. Quite frankly, because everybody's worked so well to come through it, and because we're fixing these fundamentals. Yeah, uh, you know, we're going to have to pay you know for the spending that we're doing now in the future. And Bill, I want to see an economy that's really vibrant and growing because that's how we can help pay for it.
1: Uh, one of the other aspects of this, too, is, is more money for, well, for students, in fact. Uh, the budget includes $200 for each child under 12 years of old age, uh, $250 for children with special needs under 21 years of age, and, and money. There's a, a scale, of course, that you uh, talked about yesterday. Uh, but there are. There doesn't seem to be a, a, any qualification for that. In other words, everybody is going to get that. Uh, given the budget crunch that you're under, Mr., Mr. Is there, was there any consideration at all for a means test for that? I mean, some are going to need this a lot more than others would.
0: You know, we we understand, and listen, the pandemic has certainly affected different different people um, and different families in different ways. And there's significant investment next year, another $700 million, a billion the next year after that, around our social and developmental services area. But but when it comes to parents, and I hear all the, this all the time, I mean, people have been hard hit on their pocketbooks, um, you know, costs of technology, uh, the cost of, of you know, the, the, the data data plan bills, um, setting up maybe a separate workspace. So, so I think parents deserve this. Uh, across the board and, and i think this is money well spent two hundred dollars is you know we're not gonna we can't solve the global pandemic but we can help out a bit and remember we did this earlier in, in the first wave of the pandemic again i think i think parents appreciate that and, and we want to make sure all of them can benefit by that from that two hundred dollars per child
1: yeah, the other question of course that everybody has is after an announcement like this and we asked the same question after the, uh, the federal uh, financial statements and budgets of the rest of the world how soon can the money get out the door here
0: well, we are. We are. You know, the premier always said we can't move. A, says we can't move at government speed. We got to move at COVID speed. Um, those checks for parents will be before Christmas uh, and uh, and and be available. Obviously, they'll have to you know put in the application that they did the last time. but it was very well received. And when it comes to the money, you know, one of the reasons that we chose to take this approach around the property taxes and the electricity rates, you know, when we're trying to get money to either our small businesses or, or other businesses, you know, setting up elaborate programs to cut people checks, uh, I just think it's better to just reduce a bill they already have Um, and you know as a business person myself it isn't just about today I mean I know that uh, you know the commercial uh, businesses in Hamilton will appreciate the 10% reduction uh, in taxes but it's knowing it's knowing what's going to happen next year and the year after so we want to give that confidence uh, you know that's about the, the recovery part of this plan.
1: Uh, so much more to talk about, but I know your time is tight and uh, you've got a couple of other announcements you're going to be making later on. Minister, thank you so much for the time today. I know we'll talk about this in greater detail uh, very, very soon. Thanks.
0: Look, look forward to it, Bill, and we're going to be down in Hamilton with uh, with the Premier uh, next week uh, to talk a bit about that with a great, uh, a great uh, Hamilton business. So maybe we can catch up then.
1: That should be part two. Thanks again, Minister.
0: Thank you. Take care.
1: Ontario Finance Minister Rod Phillips. Uh, Lots of reaction, political and otherwise, of course, to the budget yesterday that uh, Minister Phillips presented. Ontario Liberal Stephen Del Duca had some concerns.
0: Doug Ford's government is risking the lives of our seniors, our kids, their parents, and all people of color. These are the people here in Ontario who needed action and leadership today, and they didn't get it.
1: Ontario NDP Leader and Opposition Leader Andrea Horvath joins us on the Bill Kelly Show now to uh, give us uh, her reaction uh, to uh, what Minister Phillips talked about yesterday. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. Good to have you back in the program today.
2: My pleasure, Bill, as always.
1: Uh, we've talked about long-term care, you and I, on a number of different occasions. I just raised the issue again with the Minister. Uh, not a whole lot of money in this budget for that. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking talk about everything that they want to do here, uh, but at some time the money has to flow to it, and I didn't hear much about that yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty, pretty shocking. I mean, pretty much the government seems to be waving the white flag when it comes to the battle against COVID-19 and telling us that we're all on our own. Uh, When it comes to these next number of weeks and months, it's, it's pretty troubling, like an economic disaster, a health disaster that we're on the brink of and, and the government doesn't take any new action whatsoever uh, to help, you know, deal with uh, the the COVID-19 situation, everyday people, um, you know, they're not going to be any safer, any healthier. Uh, It's, it's, it's actually shocking.
1: Where do they go from a situation like this, though? I mean, you know, they talked earlier this week and about the announcement about, uh, you know, standardizing at least four hours of, of care for each individual patient. That's going to take staffing. Uh, they didn't talk much about that. They said they're going to try to recruit people. Well, we don't really know what their game plan is there. Uh, they talked about more beds. Uh, does that mean more facilities? Because, I mean, the problem we have with a lot of these long-term care facilities, as you know, Andrea, is that they're already overcrowded. Where are you going to put the beds?
2: Yeah, no, it, you know, it, it, I have to say if there's one thing that, that really uh, floored me about the budget was that the government did not build in any financial commitment uh, to that uh, four hours of hands-on care, and we all know what it takes. It takes more PSWs, more workers. I mean, Quebec and, Manit- and uh, rather British Columbia, through the summer, they went on a campaign and they hired each of those provinces, thousands upon thousands of new PSWs. They increased the wages, they made them better jobs, and, uh, and they got people into those careers. The- nothing happened in Ontario. Ontario uh, long-term care homes w- had to fend for themselves, and this budget says, you're still on your own. You're still on your own. It is Absolutely shocking, and, and so th- that for me was, uh, was really brutal. But, you know, they didn't do anything about uh, uh, trying to get the cl- uh, class sizes uh, reduced, uh, capped at 15, which is something we've been trying to get them to do. Uh, even their, you know, it, it, the fact that they didn't boost public health when we're all heading indoors uh, and the second wave is raging around us, and they've actually made changes that epidemiologists and other experts are really worried about in terms of their new plan. But where's the extra money for the contact tracing, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the testing, for the, the lab capacity, none of that at all is in the budget and uh you know no no extra help to make sure workers can take that uh paid time off those sick days uh should be in there to to signal to people yeah we'll help you when you need to do the right thing and take a day off work because you've got symptoms i mean none of this is in the budget it's uh It's absolutely horrifying. And and they basically abandoned Main Street, right? Main Street has been struggling. And, you know, the the, uh, finance minister talks a good game, but small business, like truly small business, Main Street folks, Needed some direct support, and just because uh, Mr. Phillips doesn't think that, that that's an easy thing to do, uh, it, maybe it's a necessary thing to do, considering considering the crisis that we're in. So even even that was shocking that uh, that they just ignored uh, mainstream businesses, uh, and they're just you know we're watching those com- those communities, ours included, uh, as more and more you know boarded up uh, businesses um, you know are on our on our King Street and on our James Street and on our Concession Street, right?
1: I I get the idea that budgets are all about numbers and crunching, and here's how much we're going to spend, and aren't we wonderful. I mean, that's, okay, we get that that's, you know, that's the window dressing that goes on this, but as the minister just told us and you know we're in the middle of a pandemic we all know that uh but i, I thought we were all on the same page in agreeing that look at we're not going to get the economy back on track until we get the, the pandemic under control and our numbers are, are flying out of control here in the province of ontario i mean we're getting over 900 cases per day now uh and and the, part of the problem and the impact it's having on small business andrea is is there's no consumer confidence they don't know from one week to the next whether these businesses are going to be shut down or have reduced hours they don't know there doesn't seem to be a consistent plan here
2: no, you've absolutely you've absolutely hit the nail on the head, uh, Bill. Because I mean, these measures that they've put in the budget, fine and good if you're a strong going concern, you know, large, medium-sized business with uh, you know hundreds of uh, uh, well millions and millions of dollars on your payroll, or a half a million dollars on your payroll. But if you're a struggling small business, um, you know, in a downtown or on a main street, there's there's nothing there for you. And, and you know, a tax uh, you know a tax cut. Uh, come tax time isn't going to help if you're if you're getting the nails and wood out today uh, to you know to board up your front windows right uh, uh, you know so uh, an employer ha- uh, health tax tax break makes no difference if you got no employees <laughs> do you know what I'm saying and so it's really shocking it's really shocking that the government doesn't understand how small business you know mom and pops main street drives local economies animates our communities right creates you know uh, as you say confidence and buzz and and uh, you know pulls our neighborhoods onto our into our business districts right i mean it's just it 's just so short sighted and I think you 're right I mean we are not going to you know get to the other side of this uh, in any kind of shape uh, if the government doesn 't acknowledge uh, that they have to do both sides of the equation they ha- they can 't give up the fight they yep. can 't tell us all we 're all our, on our own they can 't stop um, you know increasing the uh, the uh, supports to hospitals that 's another big shocker um, you know they're they 're basically you know they're they 're being stingy with the hospitals the hospitals are Literally, all, the hospitals combined in, in Ontario right now are carrying $850 million in debt. Or not debt, but in deficit. Like their yeah, budgets deficit. are in deficit because the government's not flowing them the money uh, that they need. And the last thing we need is hospitals to be worried about how they're going to make payroll. But that's exactly what's happening as we speak. Exactly. Talking.
1: Looking forward to the debate on this in you know, the days ahead, Andrea. Thanks so much for this today.
2: My pleasure, Bill. Take care.
1: You too. Andrea Horvath, the opposition leader, of course, the leader of the Ontario NDP. Lots more reaction to the budget yesterday. We're going to do a quick timeout, though.
0: You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast
1: on 900 CHML. We just heard from the uh, finance minister, Rod Phillips, and uh, Ontario NDP leader and opposition leader, Andrea Horvath, uh, Stephen Del Duca, the liberal leader, had weighed in on this. Uh, And uh, one of the key parts, as I was talking to the minister about just a couple of minutes ago, uh, was what he considers to be help for small businesses. And part of that included hydro. This is what he said yesterday.
0: As a result of our comprehensive plan, Ontario will go from being one of the least competitive jurisdictions with the cost of electricity to one of the most competitive. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, that will be better than the U.S. average and better than most of the Great Lakes states that we compete with for manufacturing and commercial jobs.
1: Uh, that was the, uh, the element about hydro and the impact it was going to have on businesses. Uh, but the, I guess the overriding question is, is it enough, uh, given the, the stress and the, the pressures that small businesses are under because of the, the, the pandemic and what's been happening? I want to bring uh, Rocco Rossi into the conversation. Rocco, of course, is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Rocco, great to have you back on the program. Uh, before we get into the hydro aspect of this, uh, your overview of what you heard yesterday from the minister.
3: Thanks so much for having me back, Bill, and for always shining a light on, on, on small business and why it's important to uh, to talk about them. Um, I mean, I think the, the finance minister is trying to uh, balance two things within a record budget that is producing a, a record uh, deficit for Ontario standards, and one is immediate uh, support and relief where possible, uh, and two... Thinking about putting some steps into in in place for the ultimate recovery and making us competitive because at the end of the day we will have to move from an economy of subsidy to one of private sector growth if we're going to ultimately pay down uh, the deficit and the debt. Everyone realizes now is not the time for austerity. It is a time to uh, to invest. But we're glad that that as he's thinking about new investments beyond the immediate supports, that things like hydro pricing, which gives you some immediate relief, but also puts us into a more competitive position going forward to ensure economic growth. That's smart thinking. Uh, there is no doubt, however, that for lots of businesses, particularly those who are either shut down or or on very reduced what what they what they really need is is, is much more in the way of immediate supports. And what you have to look at there is that the Ontario government is not alone. It's part of what all governments are doing, particularly the federal government, which has the power of the printing press and more fiscal room. And there uh, one of the single most important things for many of our members, particularly the ones shut down or uh, at very reduced, uh, volumes is the rent subsidy program. Uh, for months we were calling on that, on the federal government to, to correct some of the flaws in it. The principal one being that they'd offloaded it to landlords as opposed to going directly to, uh, to tenants. They've said they've corrected that it has to be passed in Ottawa. That is the most profit insensitive cost, you know, a term that the finance minister used liberally the other day, which essentially means cost that you have to pay, regardless of whether you're making any money. Rent is one of those. Uh, and that, that, that is the biggest single financial relief that, that needs to come and it needs to come quickly.
2: Well,
1: and you and I talked about this months ago, back in the, the, the bad old days of the first wave of the pandemic, Rocco, and, and you know, we talked about actually some of the the, the predictions that some of the economists had made, they, they, and they were basically saying, look at uh, this is going to go on for a while, and if you're renting in, in your business, if you don't own your building, uh, you're in big, big trouble. And and I don't know that either level of government has really addressed that. The rent subsidy is fine, but as you say, there are still people that fell through the cracks, uh, which begs the question: Are they listening to small business and, and saying, you know, I, are they reaching out and saying, what do you need, or are they just saying, here, this will help, or this will, you know, pacify yeah. you? The hydro stuff is great; that's good, but that's only one part of a number of different things that they need to have help with.
3: No no question. And uh, look, to be clear, governments by design are not intended to move quickly, right? You're supposed to go through committees, you're supposed yeah. to test things and focus group things and the rest. And COVID has said, throw that playbook out. That, that You don't have time for that. You have to be prepared to put policies out and then listen to people and adjust them and, and to... To credit all levels of government, from municipal to federal, there's been an unprecedented level of listening and collaboration and iteration of policy. You think only, you know, one federal example, the wage subsidy program, which started as a 10%, moved up to 75%, changed lots of things. The rent subsidy program, they uh, waited a very long time uh, to change what were clear problems, they've at least announced the changes. They've not passed the legislation or given us the full details. That is critical. That will make a significant difference for so many people who were falling through the cracks of the prior program. But it's not the only uh, it's not the only thing. We've already lost thousands of businesses. We will continue to lose. Um, you know, uh, clearly some sectors even more so than others. Restaurants are incredibly highly at risk. Uh, we see projections of well over half of all restaurants in, in Canada closing permanently before the end of this without significant additional steps.
1: But from that standpoint, let's talk about your membership here, Rocco, and, and you know their reaction to this, and, and and related to our listeners here, you know, it's, you know whether it's on King Street in Hamilton or Richmond Street in London, uh, you know the people that run those businesses and open their doors this morning at nine o'clock after this budget, are they going to say, boy, that's a big help to us, or are they going to say? Phew. What good is that going to do me? You know, when when you're in dire circumstances, tax credits and things like that are not much help to you. You need help right here and now. You need it daily, not, not once a year when you're doing taxes.
3: There's no question that uh, there will be a mixed uh, response. There are a lot of things uh, that we were calling for, have been calling for even before the pandemic, that are included, are positives. The hydro is a big one, changing how... Um, property taxes, particularly the education components, uh, normalizing that across the entire province, lowering that level, that makes a big difference. Making permanent uh, that uh, businesses with a payroll under a million, so virtually all of the small businesses um, are not going to have uh, the, uh, the health tax, effectively a tax on, uh, on jobs. That is uh, helpful because the quickest way uh, to put money in your pocket is not to ask you to send a check to the government. Um, so those things are helpful, but the scale of the the problem out there, and again, this isn't done just at one level of, uh, of government. It's, it's all of them. And it's also, quite frankly, ensuring that consumers, wherever possible, particularly those who've been able to continue working, are in those sectors that... Um, uh, that have continued to operate and to prosper even through this, that buying local, supporting those Main Street businesses is critical. There is nothing more important, and it's nothing more that businesses want. Businesses don't want to live off the government. They've got great products, great services that they're proud of, and they want people to, to come in or to order or to do takeout, uh, buy gift certificates. That's going to make a fundamental difference to keeping these businesses alive through to the other end of this.
1: Got a bunch of minute left here, Rocco. There's another element to this, too, that uh, I, I don't think I heard too much about yesterday. And you know they've talked about the pandemic. And, of course, we all know that we're into the second wave right now. But... I think common sense indicates that you're not going to get the economy back on track until you get the pandemic under control, and when you look at the daily numbers here, that's not happening, and that kills consumer confidence. It's no wonder people aren't going into restaurants and they're not shopping these days because they don't know. First of all, they don't know if they're going to be closed from one week to the next. Uh, they don't know if they're going to be reduced hours. They, we're, we're in a, a, a real pickle here, and I feel badly for all these business owners right now because they can't, with any consistency, say to the consumers, come on back right now.
3: You've got your finger absolutely on the pulse of the of the issue. Over and above the steps that are taken, one of the areas that we would love to see us not just double down but triple down on is rapid testing, tracking, and tracing. Because absent a vaccine, uh, there is no zero-risk way to open the economy. But the best way we have beyond you know, physical distancing, washing the hands with a mask, wearing all of those key points is to be able to rapidly test, track and trace so we can contain any outbreaks and make sure that we don't collapse our healthcare system and also give people confidence. Your exact point, give people confidence that it is safe uh, to be out there because We are testing employees. We are testing customers. We are making sure that those who operate daycare centers are tested on a regular basis. We could do more testing in terms of airports and other uh, transportation to, again, give people confidence. That is crucial. If you have to test people and you say to people, it's four days before you can get your appointment, it's another four or five whatever days, Um, to get the result, that testing is almost useless from the standpoint of controlling and containing uh, the virus. So those are really, really important. And I, again, stress with everyone who is listening, download the COVID Alert app, help our frontline healthcare workers by having an electronic means of tracking and tracing to augment the physical task that they are, are doing on a heroic basis, but, but would be overwhelmed if we don't help through the electronic side.
1: Well, and, and I know they came up with a new system of, of grading and evaluation now, the color coding system, as opposed to this hotspot stuff and everything. But I don't know that that's really helpful to the businesses either, Rocco. I mean, I, I, and again, I go back to my point about instilling consumer confidence right now. And uh, it, it, there's, there's got to be some consistency. And we've seen other jurisdictions do it. Uh, and and it's not closing down businesses. Uh, to use Joe Biden's phrase, he's not going to you know shut down business. He's going to shut down the, the, the virus. And we're not doing a very good job of that. And our, our sadly, our small business people, are being victimized by that
3: and and we've got to make the rules as clear as possible because look I, I feel for the government in the sense that what they understand is no one is prepared to go back to full lockdown and that is a, a blunt instrument that has not just economic costs but enormous health costs from a mental health standpoint from substance abuse from delaying so-called elective surgeries and procedures, which then are putting many more people at uh, risk of not catching, not treating, other, uh, other things. So this isn't just a, you know, health versus economy. Um, and so what they're trying to do is to be as surgical as possible, to give flexibility. So if you're following these rules and your situation truly is different, you know, whether you're in, whether you're in Timmins or downtown Toronto, um, that that you reflect that you want to have that flexibility. The problem is you get to a point where the rules become so complex that, particularly for a small, medium-sized business where the owner is also the H, the head of HR and in charge of the you know the health procedures, it's overwhelming. Um, so simplicity, clarity, consistency and let us double down in a very big way on rapid testing, tracking and tracing to contain. There's no question, uh, you know, we're not doing as well as we can and should be. We're doing a lot better than what others are doing. We only need to look south of the border. But at the core of long-term economic growth is great public health policy that is the foundation and we've got to get that right
1: has to be rocco as always thanks for this i know we have a lot more to talk about in the days and weeks ahead as this unfolds but appreciate the time today
3: stay positive and test negative my friend
1: You betcha. Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. I want to bring Brianna Carnegie in the conversation. Brianna, of course, is uh, with Global News Radio 640, our sister station in Toronto. Uh, Brianna, thanks for jumping in today on what's turning out to be a pretty busy day, Uh, politics on both sides of the border and, of course, a budget. I uh, caught your segment with Alex Pearson last night on 640 just before I jumped on with it for our global top talkers. Uh, And you raised some very legitimate concerns about what the minister talked about yesterday, especially when it comes to the long-term care uh crisis i mean he called it a concern uh, I, I i don't know if that's understating i think kind of think it is uh but we were looking for some allocation of funds for long-term care to go along with some of the things they've talked about we didn't get that yesterday
4: no we didn't get that yesterday um, we know from this budget and we know from doug ford's recent announcement on long-term care that the province is really working towards this four-hour direct standard of average care for each resident in long-term care homes. They're hoping to have that done by 2024-25. And obviously there's a lot of work that has to go in with that. So we know that the government and the province is hiring tens of thousands of healthcare workers to make this happen. And I think that's why we aren't yet given a cost on this item. Um, When we were asking the government about it and what we heard in the legislature is that they're really working with partners to make this happen. Um, We do know, though, for long-term care capacity, the government is working to add 30,000 beds. And with that, uh, carries a cost of $1.75 billion. So there is support in this budget for long-term care. However, when we did hear from Andrea Horvath yesterday, the Ontario's NDP leader, she said this isn't good enough. She actually said the word she's absolutely shocked at the lack of detail She pointed to this commission report saying that uh, we know there's a staffing crisis and we know that there needs to be action on it. And yet she says those details aren't in this budget.
1: Well, I know I got about a minute left here, but you know, Mike Schreiner, the Green Party leader, I know you were talking about yesterday as well. And his first reaction was, "Look at Quebec did this in the matter of three or four months over the summertime. Why are they dragging their heels on this and saying it's going to take another three and a half to four years here in Ontario?" Uh, you know, this this is the same criticism that uh, that we talked about uh, when they rolled out their their back to school program. You know, at the end of August instead of in June, so there could be some input into this. It, it just seems as if this is something they threw together at the last minute, uh, where other people are already doing it. I mean, they're talking to. The but they're not walking the walk.
4: Yeah, I mean, we this isn't something new. We've been hearing this call from adv- advocates for years on this item to have four hours of direct standard care. Uh, it's something that should have many are pointing to should have been done a long time ago so um, besides that item I mean there is a lot of health care support in this budget uh, we did talk a bit about the three tiers that uh, our audience should know about by now with a budget protect support and recover the protect item really does have a lot of health care spending in there this is a record year for spending um, so we we do know that there is some items on there just not what people were hoping when it comes to long-term care
1: Exactly. A Great reporting as usual, Brianna, and I really appreciate you jumping on with us today. Thanks so much for this. Thank you. Brianna Carnegie, of course, from our global news station, AM640 in Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900-CHML.